0: what's up all you old school new school listening motherfuckers it's at that time of the week again (laughs) it's another crazy edition of old school new school comedy podcast and i am your piece of shit host old school, 27-year comedy veteran. I don't brag about that because it's so sad where my career is. Christy Miller. (laughs) And with me in the studio this week is a really dear friend of mine. On week one, we had his business partner, Kenny Warren, on who he co-started the Grizzly Pear Comedy Club in the West Village, which soon branched up to a whole new location in Midtown Manhattan. So now there's two locations. And here's the other half of that comedy duo that business entrepreneurship he's been doing stand-up for about 13 years now he's a dear friend of mine i love him to pieces you're gonna love him too if you don't already mr gabe dorado hey what's up <laughs> i still feel like it's uh my first week i know <laughs> Stand up. Like. after watching your set look like a two Whoa. <laughs> i'm just kidding no you're not no i'm not and <laughs> yo yo <laughs> <laughs> Barry Ribs, baby. Oh, uh, well, yo. Right before we started the show, we were doing our best Barry Ribs impression. I was a cancer survivor. My wife, My wife. was a cancer. We love Barry Puts Ribs. Line. <laughs> <laughs> Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> Karen. Oh, God. Stop with the berry ribs. We can't help it. We're so retarded. So, Gabe Dorado, you are coming up on year 13 in your comedy career. So... Tell me about, because I would consider, you know, so you really were raised in the tech age of stand-up where people are getting noticed on TikTok, not necessarily for being great comics, but for putting out silly videos and and making it and taking over the clubs and the bookings and all the shows that are drying up because they're trying to fill audiences with TikTokers and, and, you know, oh, you have a big following? We'll book you for a whole weekend. So you're being raised in that whole thing. And how, how are you doing it? And what, do you, what is your take on it?
1: I think I'm starting late in it actually because I think my mindset still applies to the old school mentality of mm-hmm. comedy, mm-hmm. which is become a good comedian.
0: Yes, you and, definitely have that,
1: and I still think like that. And obviously, you need a big following. But with it, I, there's an old interview that I saw from uh, Ellen DeGeneres, and it's funny hearing somebody like that's. Already up in that level, right? Talk about her first year doing comedy, and it's kind of hilarious because it it applies to what's going on now with all these kids that are overnight sensations. Not even overnight sensations as comedians, just to have a million TikTok followers and they're being booked. She won an award that was a funniest woman in America, and because of that, now everywhere she was booked was the funniest woman in America. And she said realistically she only had like eight minutes, (laughs) so she literally was going to these comedy clubs in whatever little suburban town exp- with the expectancy of the funniest woman in America and having nothing else after nine minutes. Yeah. And, and, and she, in her first year, she basically had to learn how to do stand-up comedy.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's so huge that you brought that up yep. because that's exactly what's happening. These kids don't have the time to fill headlining spots. They, they don't have 45 or an hour. It's, they it's, barely have 10 at the most. It's
1: confusing to me now when I hear these, we just call them kids. Yeah, and they're like, "I'm headlining tomorrow." I'm like, where? And like, and somebody actually paid you to headline. And I, I'm not trying to hate, but like, it, no, it's there, just there's, you're there's trying just,
0: to figure it out. Like, like how? you have no
1: set. Like, it's it's crowd work and you talking is not a, an hour set. It's not a 45-minute set. Yeah, it's not a headliner set. It's, it's not even a fucking open, It's not even a not be- even a feature set. Yeah, you know, it's not even a guest spot. So that 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 baffles me now. But that just shows. I think, in a way, we have, like, a victory in in its own sense because we've already established ourselves. Like, you're a good comedian, and you constantly... You know the process and the application that you need on stage to become a good comedian, but now, like, we're... We're behind on the following part. Yep. But I think that, that happens. I don't say that happens easy. I just think you have
0: to apply it now hard the way these people do. Yeah. And I always see because, you know, I've been doing this 27 years. So I started out in the mid 90s when we didn't, there was barely electricity, let alone technology with social media and every fucking platform possible to get yourself worldwide and back then it was that you had to be good to get books so we hustled we wrote we fucking grinded and these kids as grind is just getting followers and what i'm finding now is like everything goes in cycles like do you remember back in like 2009 ish around there when twitter was like a big deal like yeah. that was the new thing in 2008 and uh Ashton Kutcher was the first celebrity to get one million followers, and everybody's like, whoa, a million followers? So then the comedy club started going, hey, you English. have to have Twitter followers to get booked because they didn't want to spend money on marketing anymore because it was still coming out of the dark it's days. It's still a bringer. Of it's old, yeah. old school it's bringer. Old school bringers. Yeah. And so people got hip to it and started buying followers so they could get booked. And then they found out it was all bots and all that shit. And was it, was it all Dane fake. Cook,
1: like the first one that capitalized on that?
0: Yes. Dane and Cook MySpace. started the whole thing with MySpace. Yeah, he booking colleges because yeah. he had like, I have this many followers on MySpace. He created, he created the social media platform. Yeah of um. Showcasing awesome. yourself We're- as a kid. Yeah. Dane it's so funny. Everybody makes fun of Dane Cook, and so do I. I'm so guilty of it. But the fact is he started the social media platform for comics. He showed that. And he also created the whole generation of like of calling people Karen. Like that was his bit. Mm, and it really? became yeah, it became this net worldwide thing of calling a white woman crazy complaining a Karen. And it's so hilarious how he created a phenomenon. But everybody hates this guy. I wasn't
1: I wasn't doing stand-up yet. I was mm-hmm. I was just doing improv- at the time this is like 2006-7 sure and I wasn't a fan of Dane Cook at all of course and well, I just didn't really know I didn't know the MySpace shit I, didn't, I never right, really saw him perform yeah and a buddy of mine I was in my improv group was like dude he's playing MSG tonight like let's go let's go scop some tickets and I'm like nah fuck Dane Cook dude and we bought tickets. He sold out. Yeah. First of all, sold out. MSG. Yep. Which is t-
0: t- sick. He's the first comic of our generation after Dice. And to he sell it out blew me away because he's a did, hell of a performer. It, it didn't
1: matter how good his jokes were. Hundred percent commitment into every act. That like you have no choice to laugh because he's giving you. And
0: his same, act outs are I amazing. Mean, well, it, it,
1: he doesn't it doesn't he it doesn't hold anything back. No. Which is like a learning lesson. A lot of times when you do a joke and it doesn't get a laugh, it's not even because a joke... Wasn't good is just because you didn't commit
0: to commit it. Commit
1: to it 100%. Yep. You didn't believe in it, mm-hmm. and then the audience doesn't believe in you.
0: Yeah, if you hold back anything, and I tell this to all new jack comics, I said if you resist or hold back or get worried or clench up, like I don't know if I can say that. You say know, it, uh, say it, commit and own it. Like look at the shit I get away with on mm-hmm. stage because I commit to the ridiculousness of the things that come out of my mouth because the things I think are, are things that is everybody's inside voice, but calling the afraid. next comic a fag. Exactly, <laughs> and getting banned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that was, but I never. The only <laughs> person it was. Well, I called you gay and a fag, but it was. But they. Oh, I can't they loved even. you for it, though. I know. They 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 hated you for calling me your you, dad. I called you my dad. <laughs> like, uh, I, 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 I relax, dude. <laughs> you're like, calm down. I know you like. That was so funny that night. But um, I committed to it, which is why it worked. You, you, like yeah.
1: Fuck you. Did you, 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 you come? You coming gay? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: totally owned it. It was so. I was. Dying. (laughs) Tell the story.
1: Tell the story. Were you out I think it was like The third or fourth comic But you had insulted Every comic on stage like That was gonna, my intros They are just insulting oh, like, people This, this, this guy's, fat, this, this guy's g- I go I go I,
0: oh, I, I remember it was uh, I go Speaking of gay This next guy
1: <laughs> So they're already laughing Because they yeah. loved her She she had a crushing Opening set So <laughs> No matter what she said Like she won I was, Yeah I was winning And I got to say It's like guys Get it for my dad And I'm like Oh
0: Crickets I'm Like alright Alright Fucking <laughs> Shut up She's a friend And of I'm mine. dying I'm like, In the background <laughs> Screaming All you hear is me me dying behind the curtain. And she's laughing at it. Dude. And I'm crying like I'm cackling and everybody's just sitting there quiet and he's like, relax. <laughs> like, all right.
1: <laughs> let's, uh, let's start over again. Yeah, let's, was like, that was so fucking hilarious. hilarious. Dude.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, you know, talking about Dan Cook and his commitment and shit. Yeah. Commit to your bits. Commit to your character. Commit to what you're saying on stage and you can sell anything. It doesn't have to be true. That's that's kind of where you, you the, your original question. That's kind of where I'm at now. Is I'm
1: still not gonna turn off that part of my brain that still wants to keep. Like, cause this is thing. Like in my 13 years doing stand up, I think in my last year, I finally learned how to write jokes properly.
0: Well, it's just that you're at that age in comedy, that comedy age that you're learning what your voice is because around, I always tell people it averages between 10 and 12 years is when you find your point of view because you spend 10 years developing that point of view, find it, throwing shit against the wall, sticking. I always tell comics, treat your comedy stage persona as a child that you gave birth to. So you've been doing comedy one year, right? We'll just say this. Somebody's doing comedy for one year. That's a one-year-old child what do one-year-olds talk about? It's baby talk. They have a few words they've learned. They just learned how to walk. And they're kind of like, you know, there's not a lot to say. And then you're working on those jokes, and then you turn five years old. Well, five-year-old, what does he look at with the preschool toys and playing with those toys? Those are boys. I'm a big boy. Mm. I don't play with those kid toys. You don't baby talk them anymore. So you're going to shed some layers and like, okay, those jokes don't work anymore because I'm growing up. Five-year-olds have a conscience. They kind of, they're kind of independent yeah. for a, a child. They can play. You know, they find their own toys to play with. Or you know, you can leave, let them run around the house, and they can form sentences. You can have told. You know what I mean? So they're developing their point of view at that point because now they have a vocabulary. They can walk by themselves. They can go to the bathroom by themselves. They can play with their own toys. They can handle it, right? So then, from five to seven is when all those sentences come out, and you start learning these cool words and learning what it means and you're reading and all this stuff, and then you hit 10 years old, well, now you're double digits. So 10-year-olds have a fully developed conscience. You have some, you know. an, some sort of idea of what Yeah, you they kind of or... have, like, a personality now. You yeah. know, they've kind of developed who they are as a kid, and that's who they are as a kid. So you know, now crazy. you know what direction you're going to go. I
1: still feel like I don't specifically know exactly what my voice is.
0: Okay, that's okay.
1: But uh, it, but I, I understand. I know where my sense of humor comes from, and and because the thing is, like, this is my thing. Is like I I, I got w- when I started getting better at, at joke writing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it had nothing to do with being a good joke writer. It was me being objective about other people's. Like the truth is, most of your best jokes are inspirational. They come from something that you thought of. You're like, oh shit, that's great, and then it, it, it's like a bug it, until it develops into a huge bit. Yes. But I got to the point now. I was like, man, like. That shouldn't be the only way that I write jokes. Like, if, if I was a writer for late night, these guys have to write 100 jokes a day. Yeah. And, and so there there is. And not in their voice. <laughs> so that's the they thing. They have it's like, to write for another is, voice. There is devices and, and joke structures and exercises mm-hmm. that you can do to, able, to be able to, to, that anybody can write a joke. I yes. really think anybody can learn to write a joke. Absolutely. Not everybody is funny. Yeah, But everybody every, we're human beings. Everybody has a sense of humor.
0: Yeah, and also everybody has emotions and thoughts and funny thoughts, things that make them laugh. And then they also have things that they feel they're, because people are afraid of what other people mm-hmm. think of them or how other people are going to react, so they hold back and they get uptight. And that's where you see these new kids trying stuff. They try to be edgy. It's like, but you're not an edgy person. That's why it's yeah. not working. But you're finding it and finding it. And when you find... Like the style, like you'll know when you let go of your head and your gut starts guiding you. It's funny you say that
1: because what's been happening organically in the last year, I think, uh-huh. is what I've been trusting. A lot of my jokes come from me. They come from I'm Cuban, I'm in a relationship, I'm getting yeah, older. Absolutely. Which is fine. But um, I'm trying to trust and it's, I'm having more like satisfaction doing it, commenting on shit that bothers me in society in life of and, course and it's, of course. it's- and just having that trust is just like trusting coming your from your gut and not from your fucking head. Exactly. Because you
0: can get in your head and talk yourself out of anything.
1: Because, you know, I'm going to get hated. Like they're going to they're, yeah. they're get canceled. Notice, I'm going to get a bad... Yeah. Like, like, you ever
0: that, notice like, when you go on stage and you're all up in your head and you got all these thoughts and you got a bunch of shit on your mind and it doesn't really translate because your head is severed from your gut?
1: The audience doesn't exactly understand why, but they just know that, that it's not you organic. don't believe it. Yeah, because like, you're, you're
0: not selling. You're not committing. It just, yeah, because you're not connected exactly. to your gut. And when you go, and then there's nights you'll know when you go on stage, and and it's like the and this is why you you know. Do a
1: new joke with no punchline, but you feel it. Yeah, but you.
0: But also, I always tell people too is when you go on stage, when you let go of your head. And you don't know where, like you come off stage and you're like, whoa, what just happened? Like you can't remember until you listen back. If you record, I record everything just for writing purposes and you go back and listen to it and you're like, holy shit. And that's when you know you found your voice and your trust in your gut. When you go on stage and you don't remember anything and you just murdered, you know, that's when you know. You've totally cut your head yeah. off and totally trusted your gut instinct well I mean I, I think the, the it, this goes back to what
1: we were originally saying is mm-hmm. the difference between becoming a good comic and focusing on your social media following is once it, it six pink sports you've gone out there and you've you've done everything in preparation for that game yes now go play the game mm-hmm like, yeah. Like, you, you You know how to throw a jab cross hook. You know you know how to – you know football. You know how to fucking run a pass to the right. Yep. And the obvious, opposite line, everybody knows what they're doing. But now, like, we're in the middle of the game. Just do it. Like, don't think
0: about it. Like, yep. we're doing the play. Yep. Yes. Wait, we're doing this play, you uh, know. So, you know, it just go. Don't think about, well, I don't know what the other side's going to do. Is the defense no, going to get upset? No, fuck the prepare defense. for a
1: reason. Like, yeah. you see the way he's standing, and I'll yeah. apply. Like, it's the same thing. A hundred percent. Which I think it's a. I th- I think I think you don't stop learning about comedy. Um,
0: Never. I'm twenty seven and a half years in, and I still learn new things about myself. Like I, heard t- I learn new. I go. I peel more layers. I can't wait till thirty years because that's oh, another dude. huge layer that peels that I'm so excited to experience. That. And I, I think that's
1: like kind of a a gift in its own way because you've been developing for thirty years, mm-hmm. and. It, because we didn't focus on that social media part, and now you, we are, and you're slowly growing. Like, how can we never heard of this person? I this get, person is a
0: monster. Like, when I, when my album came out, March 24th, "Brutally Yours" on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music. <laughs> I was there. You can hear my name. Laugh. <laughs> yes, Gabe was there, and it just so amazing. Awesome, actually. It was. It was. You inspired th- me that night. Aw, yeah, it was I badass, was, dude. It was so much fun, and I have people write me from all over the country. They're like how come I've never heard of you? This album is hysterical. And it's like, that is like, oh my God, like that feels so good. Like, why have we not heard of you till now? And I said, well, I didn't suck the right dick. And then they start laughing, which is true. I mean, (laughs) you want to break it down like a five-year-old, I sucked all the wrong dick. I didn't sleep my, you know, I didn't sleep my way to the top. Like, you know, for a woman, it's different than for a man in this industry. You know, that's why we see these girls on Instagram, these Quote unquote comics. Oh, that's so why a lot of girls get. That's how they. Get, the Comedy Center fast. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm dead ass serious. You, you nailed it. And it's just like. They they're like their little selfies with their breasts hanging out and their asses and posing and it's bikinis. And it's like. Funny. Where's the joke, bitch? You know, it's like. And then they get everything handed to them because male bookers want to fuck them and they know that, so they play. And it's this whole domino effect of I may score with this girl, and if she doesn't give me any, I won't book her anymore. And vice versa. So you know, it's funny you say
1: that. I think in my eight years, I mean, I've been. Yeah, you've been booking, but in my eight the, years booking that place. The fact that I bartended. So long mm-hmm. it prepared me oh, for that. Oh, yeah, that's I didn't you, care. Like, that was like,
0: like boot camp for you to deal with the horrors. Hi, game can hang in a spot. Like,
1: dude, for, I don't care. Like, yeah, you're not making me any money by you saying that. But.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like I got a girl that handles my dick well. bitch Step aside. Like, I, it's, you're I, not funny enough to suck my dick. Is asking what you for five say. minutes is
1: the same thing as like somebody asking me for a free drink. Like, yeah, mm, nah, no. salting, dude. Like, yeah, <laughs> and I get it. Dude. Like I, I get people are hungry and like you got to be. And, and
0: that's what they have to do, nervous. and that's fine. But you don't have to buy into it. But I don't. I, I've never been that kind. You, I know. I've known you for a long time. You've, you've never,
1: never, you've never asked me for a spot. Never. I've never, like I've been the same way. It's like, if you're funny, and it's something my dad used to tell me a long time ago, and like I, I, I agreed to it to an extent, but he's mm-hmm. pretty accurate. Is. If you're talented, people will know you. Yes, So, like, so just
0: keep. And focusing that's old on, school.
1: That's old school, exactly. So focus old school. on your skill level. Focus on why you like doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Keep developing, whatever your voice, just everything, just, just your technique, keep your keep growing skills.
0: every day. Just keep pushing forward. That's you know, I'm a prime example of that. That I love this craft now, 27 and a half years in, more than I did when I started. I I'm in love with comedy. I love what I do, and I I'm not willing to sleep my way into a club because what is that gonna, No satisfaction. You, you right. win the battle, but you lose the war. You know, and I'm all at about the end, winning the, 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 the day, war. At the end of your life, when you look at it like like did I? I gave up pussy to I get a ten-minute spot. Huh. Get the fuck out of here. But at the same time, you know, these girls are being handed shit, but they can't sustain. So like I was saying earlier about the the Twitter thing and all that stuff and the followers and the club's booking, everything goes in cycles. So you notice around 2015, 2016, that started dying out in the sense of the shows weren't funny and people weren't coming. And so they started cycling in more funny comics and started doing, like, that's one thing I love about here. That's always
1: going to benefit us. though. Yeah, exactly.
0: So we're always going to sustain. Those people will fall off. Like I was saying, like, it's a cycle. Those comics aren't going to last. It's like five minutes of fame. Like, in the old days, when we were younger, the old Andy Warhol, everybody has 15 minutes of fame. Well, now, because of 30-second reels and one-minute reels, it's now down to five minutes at the most. Yeah. And, And the fact is, is that funny is funny. You can't take that away from us that we've grinded and busted our asses and, and created our our own lanes. And then those, they'll fall to the waist. So that's one thing I love about here at the Comic Strip where we broadcast every week is that Tommy and Jeannie, they don't give a shit about your social media following. They're still in the old school mentality. They book according to... How long have you been doing the podcast here? Uh, God, when did I start this? Uh, March? February? Cool. So- Something like that. Yeah, we started it here. And then, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's one thing. I recorded my album here. You know, I used to do a monthly here with Mark Riccadonna when I used to have my my old podcast Celebrity. We used to do a live show here. It was so much fun. And that's the thing I love about the comic strip is that they're still booking on the sense of who's funny. Yeah. Who, you know, they don't care about ageism. I had one of the comedy clubs tell me I was too old to play their club. <sighs> And I and I won't say the name, but it rhymes with stand up New York. So, <laughs> nice. so it, I like how I did that. The subtlety of my horribleness. So, but that's the thing I love about the Strip. It's just old school. They 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 know what's funny. They book strictly on like what the audience is like, the time, whatever.
1: That's the one thing that I can take pride in. Like that, me and Kenny did. Is, yeah. Like we just like if you're funny, you're in. If you're funny, you're in. Like yeah, that's it. Don't be annoying. Just
0: be funny. Like. Yeah. Just, just, just nobody cares. Be funny. Yeah. Like if I, I always said like with uh, my buddy Eric Marino, like who I take on the road with me a lot, and uh, he used to write for Saturday Night Live yeah. and Weeds and all that shit, and he wrote. You on wrote the, for Weeds. Yeah. No. Uh, nah, yeah, I knew S N L. Yeah. So um, he was also his first uh, writer's assistant job was the Ellen sitcom. Oh. And it was the puppy episode. It was what it was called. It was the episode when she came out of the closet. No shit. Yeah. Oh. So he was a part of that, and so he's been in the game since then. So uh, he's still we with. we always laugh about opening a comedy club that's just called nobody cares be funny. That's all it's called. Like nobody cares. I don't care who, how many followers you have, because that's the one thing about the old school mentality and like growing up at the comedy store, like I did with Mitzi Shore, and she saw every comic. She passed every single comic and she knew where to put people, how to develop people. And she really gave me a freedom to be, you know, just to find it, just to explore and grow, you know? And I loved late nights at the comedy store. Those were magical. Yeah. I developed so much out there and it's, it's amazing on that stage is magical. And it's like, You know, she just would book what was funny. You know, and she. What was her
1: like? Her, like, I won't say like advice, but like, yeah, I guess. Like, how would she like? How would she implement like what she wanted out of you? Like,
0: she would tell me just be yourself. Just don't hold back. That's how she talked. Because anybody yeah, yeah, that talks about Mitzi Shore, it, we can't talk, perfect, we yeah. can't tell Mitzi Shore stories oh without God. doing, oh, God, he's I terrible. I remember one night, somebody was showcasing. It was a Sunday night, and I was she, hosting. She said about Louis C.K. He uh, he's bad. Oh, God. He's got a special already. Yeah, good, I, no, I don't want him. But uh, she didn't like polished comedians. Like cruise ship, corporate. She clean, hated like... them because it was too polished. There was Wasn't no. Her, her
1: husband was clean, right? Like, yeah, and like...
0: Sammy, and uh, but it's like uh, she liked rough around the edges because she liked the little grit. She liked the layers because then you can peel those layers and find the magic and but she liked people a little rough a little weird because it added to their character mm. it made them definable
1: going back to your voice
0: yes uh, exactly so it wasn't like once with these people I mean hey they got hands and arms I mean what's that about like it's not I didn't mean to do the Jerry Seinfeld but you know but it was like like those corporate those were the improv like all those yeah. corporate cruise ship clean comedy dry bar dry pussy whatever you want to call it was at the improv and the laugh factory was all the, the Wayans brothers and the oh, WB. Really? Well, yeah. Cause okay. Jamie Masada, we go the other way. They all do the white clubs. I do the black clubs. I go the other way. And then Missy was like animal house. Like we College. were the misfits. Yeah, yeah. We were the degenerates and we all had grit and, and injuries, old war wounds, you know? And it's like, we would go up on stage. Like when I was your age, you know, we didn't have electricity and we got the light from the candle and, they set See, it's fires. Funny, it
1: goes back to that's a perfect example of the Mitzi Shore philosophy is become a good comedian first yes and then late night will give you you give you your, you your 100,000 followers on Instagram
0: yes a hundred percent yep and uh, she would put the 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 cleaner comics on until 10 o'clock and then 10 o'clock would switch because there was a comic every 15 minutes yeah. so at 10 o'clock was usually brian holtzman and the lights would drop <laughs> my god and holtzman would do a half an hour she would give him a 30 minute that was her baby and dude, i didn't know who that was until
1: i watched the documentary of the comedy store really yeah. and blew he's me away, a god dude. yeah he's that's my baby he says this, I, I forgot what the joke was on the on the it's like episode three of the comedy store documentary and uh it bombs so bad, so bad. Oh, and and it, the whole audience is awkward, and he just embracing it. Yep. No. Nope. And then he fucking makes a comment that just destroyed. Destroyed, and it yeah. didn't matter how bad the bomb was. Like yep. he crushed. Like it was he, so um, awesome, dude.
0: Brian Holtzman is a one of a kind crazy he would shit on mitzi on all his like she doesn't even fucking book me yeah fucking bitch (laughs) and what's so funny is he had (laughs) spots every night she was he was the he was the class favorite he was mom's favorite you know our godmother's favorite you know holtzman was a legend and that is a guy one of the few people i have watched bomb so hard that and then turn it around, but and not give a shit. Not give a shit. That's and I difference. learned like between him and working with Paul Mooney all those years and watching them turn an audience against them and then flipping it around and bringing them back. And it's like, yeah, that's comedy store magic right there. You you have to have no fear on that stage. And Brian Holtzman is the king of no f- fucking fear. In, my, in
1: I experienced doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the ultimate mastery. Is purposely losing a crowd, yep, knowing that you can get them back. Exactly. And I've only seen a few people be able to do that. Yeah, and it's like it's like obviously Chappelle and all these guys, but like in person, at like a uh, Tony Woods, Bill Burr, Bill Burr, like but just lose them on purpose. Yeah, knowing
0: he could get them you're back. You're gonna love
1: me so much at the yep. end. Yeah, like,
0: exactly. And that's three, two, one. Part two of Gabe Duran. Yeah, like did you heard about that thing about Bill Burr in Boston. It's one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. Boston or Philly? I thought it was Boston at the theater.
1: Oh, no, the Philly one is when everybody was heckling all the comics and he just insulted everybody.
0: Well, there was one show, I thought it was Boston. Tell me that story, too, Um, where he was just going off. Like, he was just bombing. The audience was, like, irritated and booing him. And then he turned around at the end, he got them all back, and they were cheering.
1: Oh, really? I've never heard of this. Yeah, and, like, he was out there
0: bombing. They hated him. They were mad at him. I don't know. Maybe it's the same story. This one's called the Philadelphia Incident. <laughs> and, and he goes <laughs> off. This is
1: actually what made him like super vi- viral famous. Right. Like, I because I knew comedy, like from liking comedy and watching, like, he was, I, they
0: knew him from the Chappelle show. Um, I used to do the Pasadena Ice House Annex. They built a new room off to the main room. Yeah. Me, Bill Burr, Joey Gaynor, Franchi, and uh, Tamara Pickering would do this room every weekend to help build it. Oh wow, that's yeah. cool. That's how old I am.
1: <laughs> I uh, I wasn't even I wasn't even doing stand up yet. Jenny Saldana, it was her first year that she um, she was br- she had
0: breast cancer. Right, we love Jenny. She had
1: a uh, a benefit, and it was Colin Quinn hosting, Patrice O'Neal. Oh, I love Patrice. Charlie Murphy. Love Charlie. Donnell Rawlings and Bill Burr. Oh. And I already knew who Bill Burr was from the Chappelle Show, and he blew me away. Yeah. And this is fucking. Fourteen years ago, 15, right. maybe uh-huh. fifteen years ago.
0: Yeah,
1: um, but that's the thing is like I knew who he was at that time. Like I think in, on YouTube, the Philadelphia incident came out a few years later. Right, and people that didn't even know comedy knew about this thing because it was so good. He dude, he goes up fifth, and it's in Philly in uh, like an outdoor like uh, place, and you could just tell by the way he gets on stage how bad the audience was. He was he was basically was defending. All the comics from before, because they all got booed and heckled and fucking, fucking amazing, bombed their ass off. So this has got to be the
0: same story, and I probably and just he's like a don't bunch of right.
1: fucking losers, a uh, bunch of fucking losers. And he literally, he knew exactly what minute he was in. He did 15 minutes, right? And like minute four, he's like, I got 11 minutes left. And I'm doing yes, all this is it. And I'm doing all eleven minutes, you bunch of fucking losers. And uh. every minute he just picked it's funny because you could tell he used bits that he used to do about Philly, about shitting on Philly. Right. But he just it was with malice. Right. And uh <laughs> but at one point, like 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 eight minutes into it, people are dying of laughter. And at one point he goes. He goes. Oh, he goes. He. Call, I think he calls somebody in the audience a fucking cunt. And he goes, Wow! It, like, it, t- it took me nine minutes to say cunt. And he's just laughing. He has a dumb smile on his face. he's like, I'm actually joining this. He goes. By the way, I am selling my CD after this. <laughs> but everything he goes. He goes. Bunch of fucking losers. Like the terrorists will never bomb your bridges because you're a bunch of fucking losers. And he goes, like, what? What else? He goes. You guys got a fucking. You guys got a statue of rocky he goes three foot fictitious fucking italian character you guys won't have joe frazier because he's black a bunch of fucking racist because <laughs> i hope ah, i hope true. all of you fucking losers get out of here and get get your car broken down in camden and, and you get fucking raped by a bunch of black dude like crazy to uh, uh, so a point that like he got like a standing ovation at the end of it. like yeah. that is the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life dude
0: and that's a filthy crowd 100%. I I'm sorry, they're trash, but I fucking love I've done shows, performing in, in Philadelphia. It is the greatest piece of shit city. They're, it's weird because they uh, they're just dumb. Yeah. It's like it's like the it's like just under Staten Island. you sta- <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia is the Staten Island of Pennsylvania. 100%. It's just garbage. And I cannot get enough of Philadelphia fans. I love them because they're such horrible you Richie, people. They, Richie, they used to bartend at uh, the Grizzly Pair from Stan Island? Christy oh. Miller. Oh, yeah. Gay- yeah, yeah. That yeah, guy yeah.
1: is such a pure Stan Island idiot. I love yeah. him today. He's one of a good friend of mine. He's so great. But he was hammered one day at the end of his shift, and he had three of his other friends. I like
0: that st- you said one day. <laughs>
1: yeah, right? He had three of his other Stan Island friends at the end of his shift, and they all sounded in their own way, different but identical with the <laughs> fucking stupid, like, <laughs> <laughs> just fucking nonsense. Like, that's, you have to perform in front of if you do a yeah. show there. Like, a uh-huh. like hundred people, just like that.
0: I did a shows with Andrew Dice Clay at Soul Joel's. So all the Philly trash comes strolling in. I'm like, is it garbage day in King of Prussia? Oh, we were dying. I laid (laughs) into these people. I cussed out the DJ for fucking up the intros because he was trying to make the show the first night about him. Oh, my God. And I cussed his ass out. Dice is dying. He goes, you wanted to fight the DJ. And I said, yeah. And I would have whooped his fat, ugly ass. I would (laughs) have punched him right in the fucking man cunt. That fucking loser. And I just roasted these people because they were drunk and trash and, you know, whatever. But they were amazing. Like, I was so in love with them because they were garbage. And I love garbage. I'm like Oscar the Grouch. I love garbage
1: Garbage is weird because this is a perfect example of like people that don't know how to handle it. Like, for, like on the, for example, like the midnight shows of the pair. Right. A, a majority of the time, it's a garbage audience. Yeah. But you have to go on stage with a garbage mentality. Yeah. And they love you for it. Yeah. If you go like, oh, you guys are... Yeah. Okay. I think what's wrong with you guys? Yeah. Like they'll eat you alive. They'll like, murder. Fuck
0: you. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. you. Fuck, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck the next guy. Fuck your mother. Like fuck, fuck your mother's somebody, mother. somebody, dude. I will fuck you in the ass. Like, this guy's. This guy's a good comedian. <laughs> like yeah, fuck like, you. Oh, like uh, there was nights when you'd call me to host. Like hey, could you host? tonight? I'm like, yeah. sure. I'll fucking tear these people apart. And I would just maul them to death like a lion, like at a zoo. Like you just like I was a fucking lion, and you fell into my pit, and I would just maul these people, and they loved there's something it. Something about
1: doing those late shows. Uh, I had this conversation with somebody last night, but I just think there's more. There's a bigger satisf- like for example like the earlier shows like, like you said how Missy would put like the cleaner people Yeah. I think in the early shows people that go watch comedy their expectancy is to hear punchlines right jokes yeah that's it yeah if you go like it's, it's funny cuz if you go with the same attitude that you had like the night before the midnight show they'll, you're you're scaring them and then they'll, yeah. they'll be hesitant to laugh but as long as you just say jokes they like it yeah the midnight show there's more satisfaction out of it because you actually have to be a comedian and you have just punchlines you Uh,
0: have to be a ringmaster you gotta handle the lions the tigers the elephants you gotta handle all the animals in the circus and i remember like you know i would love because for me i would like okay this is the scenario of the grizzly pair in the west village that gabe and kenny started um You'd go in there. These people already felt like they have been duped because the signage, because nobody wants to put that. The owners don't want to put money into signage mm-hmm. because it was originally a dive bar with the back half. I mean, this is like prime real estate and the back half of this bar was this empty room with a stage that had storage in it and boxes and crap. Well, you know, how it started, and, right? Yeah. Crashing. Yeah.
1: Yep. We'd, we we were already, I was producing two shows just, like a Thursday and a Friday, right? And Kenny was producing Sunday and Wednesday, right? And we—I think we were the most organized ones. That's the only of reason the whole thing started. Yeah. But um, it was season two of Crashing, and because season episode one, season one was filmed at the Grizzly Bear, and they called it the Grizzly Bear Comedy Club. Right. We started selling out shows, like overnight. Overnight and yep. just indirectly, like, oh, this is where Crashing's filmed. We'll yeah. buy Tickets. Yeah. Like, oh, Pete Holmes, Crashing. Yep. Um, that just happened, and then we yep. was like, "Let's take advantage of this." Dude. Like, no, you and, did like, you did everything right. And it's just by accident. Like, it's so funny because just one. Just, that's social all Social media takes. following, dude. Yeah, like, that's all it takes. Even a, even a, even a, a physical venue that developed its chops as a comedian didn't really take off until it social media took off. Like, yeah, it's so cr- funny. Like,
0: it's so it's so crazy. And I remember like there was nights or you would have to walk people in because of the signage wasn't there which is so stupid yep. they didn't mar- if they would have taken advantage of putting the signage up after crashing was filmed there yep. dude they wouldn't even have to think twice about anything mm-hmm. but because it, it still looks like yep. the, like a dive bar on the outside and there's no signage so people think is this real or was that a movie set and so I loved when you would. My favorite. Should have the, they should have kept that as a concept, like because they, they made the the CBGB shirts on yep. dive bar up front. Yep, exactly. Clubbed back. Yeah, it it was it was all good. But uh, I remember like I I I loved watching people come in to make sure it was a real club and not just something. You get on, robbed. Yeah, like, they were getting robbed on McDougal Street, so they were already pissed off that they couldn't get into the cellar. So now they're coming to uh, the Grizzly Pair. So they already have a chip on their shoulder. They've been drinking all night. And then they want to see, and they're not seeing the people that they think they're going to see because they're so brainwashed by the comedy cellar and all the people that go there that it's just so funny. So you're already up on an uphill battle pushing a boulder barefoot. Like, it's great. Yeah. So I hear, I have a lot of comics, like comics that work the seller, they're like, oh, the grizzly pair, that's a hard room. And I go, no, it's not. It's actually really fucking fun. I think, and if you look
1: at the last 15 out of, Eighteen comics have been past the Comedy Cellar, all developed at the pair first. Yep, and it, just, it was just easy. it was almost like the eight o'clock kind of crowd at yep. in any room. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the set, people go there with the expectancy of it's funny. Yeah. So all you got to do is be funny on stage.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, and it's such a it's concept kind of awesome. that a lot of people aren't just funny on stage. It's so, it's so insane. What, what I give the Comedy Cellar
1: credit for, compared to any club that I've ever performed at, is. Everything is conducive for the comedian on stage. Yes. There's bouncers that kick you out if you talk yep. shit. Oh, that doesn't no. happen anywhere.
0: They protect their their talent because Gnome is a smart man. Gnome gets it. Gnome, yeah. Like, Mitzi Shore was the same way. We had a big we had a big bouncer. We had doormen. If anything can't got go unruly, groups. you, you like, were out. They throw your whole
1: group out. You can't use your phone. Yeah. Like, everything. So like, it's just it's for you to well watch the person talk. It's such a well-organized
0: machine. Yep. It's to force you to focus on the show. That doesn't happen. And that's...
1: Kind of what we tried to like implement forever, and I, I hope it continues to happen at the pair, is it's about the integrity of the comedy show. Yeah. Every comedian is a fucking component. It is a part of a good comedy show. Yes. And as long as you protect the integrity of a show, yep. it's going to be a great place.
0: 100%.
1: It's all about the show.
0: Yep. So on that note, uh, I always like to wrap up the show with a couple questions. And I love, this is one of my favorite things because it's always about... Like respecting other comics and loving comedy so much, is there a bit that a stand-up comic has done that you heard and went, "Mother fuck, that's brilliant! I wish I had written that." Which one? Um,
1: there's a few, but I'll, okay. One of my main, the one that's not—he's not even a famous comic yet. Does it matter? His specials on uh, on YouTube right now, Alan Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. He's to me probably in my as uh, my close proximity of comedians the best joke writer i know nice um you've seen him perform yep beard mm-hmm. silly looking guy it he looks great. Like, he looks like james r Tolkien. if circle jr token
0: yeah jrr
1: um james that's whatever call jimmy <laughs> J- um jr he does a joke about uh, he goes my girlfriend is gender fluid he goes we don't know what gender fluid means is uh sometimes she considers herself she considers herself a woman and sometimes she considers herself a man and sometimes I get to hit her. <laughs> Such a.
0: That's a great Simple. Job. Dude, but again, it
1: crushes yeah. every time. And of it, course. He, he doesn't know that follows that. It's um, about Roe versus Wade. And this is the one I like, man, I wish I would have written that. Right. It's like uh, Roe versus Wade just had its own its mm-hmm. decision. He goes, I think it's terrible. They closed down all these abortion clinics. Where else am I going to yell whore on the weekend? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, guys, I'm banned from Hooters. Like, like I hate you so much. Dude. That's a great joke. The original joke that like of a famous person that I was like, man, that that's the jokes that I want to write mm-hmm. is Bill Burr's joke about um his pit bull. Uh. He goes, I have a pit bull. Uh, they say uh, dogs act just like you. And uh, it's not a good thing because my pit bull's crazy. And, uh, and it's just he's just trying to make me happy. And it's not my fault. It's like, like I'm just giving this dog all my hateful energy towards it. So I'm watching the news is, or I'm watching sports. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. The dog's just in the corner going, yeah, you got to be <laughs> kidding me. So, like, so I didn't realize I was just applying all this hateful energy to my dog. So every time I was walking him, he thought he was doing a good job because He's trying to act just like me, fucking angry. So you see the postman is like, is that him? Is that him? Go get him. I'm like, no. And I have to to protect the mailman from my pit bull fucking killing him. He's like, I did good right Dad? I did good. That whole bit, it's it's, like like a five-minute joke, but it's so brilliant, dude. Yeah,
0: it is, because that's exactly how pit bulls are. They're dopey, and they just want to please their owner. I think all
1: all dogs... Emulate their owner. Uh huh. Because they're Which, empaths. that's why I don't think there's bad pit bulls. I think yeah. there's dickhead owners.
0: It's it's all the owners. I love pit bulls. I used I to live one. with two pit bulls. Yeah,
1: they're awesome. Yeah, they're the greatest dogs. I knew one that was an asshole because the owner was an asshole. Yeah,
0: they're empaths. They're yeah.
1: they're there to heal
0: us. Yeah. Now. Everybody, every comic loves a good street joke. We sit around and talk this shit. Paul Mooney used to close his sets with street jokes and eyes them. What is your favorite street joke? Street jokes that he wrote or ones that he liked? No, no. Just what's your favorite street joke? Period. Like, but Paul would,
1: would Paul Mooney do street jokes that he liked, or? Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. And he would change them up. Oh, it's a star. Nice. He was brilliant. So, if you're sitting around with your boys, what what is the street this joke that you go the to?
1: Best worst joke that I I'd I'd I, I I remember it. exactly. you love it? I
0: remember exactly where
1: I heard it. Okay. 2001, when I was a bartender at TGI Fridays in Mobile, Alabama. (laughs) And one of the kids that worked with me goes, You want to hear the worst joke ever? And I I was crying for like an hour. Um, So basically, it's this dad is driving his daughter down the interstate. Mm -hmm. And it's a long highway. They've been driving forever. And it's with his daughter. And there's a truck like blowing smoke and just slowing down traffic in front of him. And a truck fucking throws a dildo out the window. The dildo lands on the windshield, and a dad's freaking out. Cause he's like, "Oh my god! I don't want my daughter to see it." So he puts the windshield wipers on, and fucking thing flies. Th- finally, flies off. Uh huh. And he's like, "Thank God! Like, thank God she didn't see that." She goes, "Daddy, daddy, what was that?" He goes, "Well, oh, don't worry, honey. It was just a, it was just a mosquito." She's like, wow, that mosquito had a big cock. Like, <laughs> that's one. Uh-huh. And then my second one, this one's all about commitment. Okay, you got to commit. When I, when I first started bartending, it's funny, this might have been why I wanted to do stand-up because I didn't realize it indirectly. I was bartending T J Fridays at 21 years old, and I, would learn, I learned how to, like, I would just Google really bad jokes uh-huh. so I could say to my, my customers. Of course. And this one, to this day, it's, uh, it's a Dane Cook commitment-style joke. Beautiful. It's like, all right, these two guys walk into a bar. Um, bartender goes to the first guy. He's like, hey, uh, what do you want to drink? He's like, oh, I'll drink a Bud Light. He's like, all right. Uh, goes to the second guy. Hey, what do you want, jackass? He goes, oh, I'll, I'll drink a Bud Light. The bartender goes away, makes the drinks, and the first guy's like, dude, how come every time we come here, he calls you a jackass? He's like... Oh, it's all right. He-oh, he-oh. He always says that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that is my favorite street joke. joke. That's
0: hilarious. He-oh. That's a commitment joke. That's <laughs> a commitment and a half. That's miracle. You know what? I probably went 80%. Yeah. And you, I
1: didn't come in. I was like, yep.
0: he like I, I should have gone all in. It's, it's your accent. That's what held you back. Because you're, <laughs> you're, not, you're not. You you worked with white trash, but you're not white trash. You're white trash sh- adjacent. So that's a uh, spick, like <laughs> spick light. <laughs> spick is white trash. That's just, yeah, that's true. All right, Gabe, I love you so much. Christy, Thanks for being on you. the show. Tell everybody out in the social media world where they can find you on the socials.
1: Cuban is funny on Instagram. Cuban is funny on TikTok. Gabe Dorado in life. <laughs>
0: are, are you have any shows coming up that we can? Go
1: um, to? I'm at the comic comedy, comedy shop Wednesday for, um Fuck! I forgot the name of the name of the show, but it's uh, I, I'm on. I'm the comedy stuff at eight o'clock. I'm at the pair that same night at ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'm with the pair all weekend next week. Nice. Um, yeah, that's that's me for uh, next week. Nice. I'll be, I'm uh, planning to be on the road next month. I think I'm going to Ohio. Beautiful.
0: Um, well, check them out. Check them out at Cuban is funny on all the social medias. And uh, this week uh, tonight. I'm doing a crazy bar show down in uh, Brooklyn or wherever just to work on, and I have a Crush new it. show that we're starting on Tuesdays at Swing 46 right on Restaurant Row in New York City oh, cool. at 8 o'clock, and... Uh, you could also catch me headlining the Comedy Diner in Newark, New Jersey, August 4th and 5th at 8 o'clock. Come on out. Tickets are in my bio. I love you guys. Thanks for listening to another Thanks episode of me. Old School, New School Comedy Podcast. Recorded live here at the Comic Strip. And I uh, thank you, Gabe. And thank you so much. I love you guys. And my we'll God see God. you next week. Deuces.